Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday. Just as a preliminary, this is going to be our last show of uh, the, the week before we go to Thanksgiving. So uh, there'll be a gambling special up with Kelly Stewart and myself, The Fade. Uh, but no Outkick show on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Also, uh, I am going to be uh, uh, doing radio on Wednesday solo. may have heard me solo today. No radio show Thursday. Best of, I believe. And then Friday, our friend Tudor Dixon is going to be in on Clay and Buck. It'll be the first day that neither Buck nor myself, I think the second day of the year, uh, that neither Buck nor myself have been in. So uh, we appreciate uh, all of you out there. I hope you have a fabulous Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, and I hope we win many different gambling bets uh, as we continue on down the line here. Lots to discuss. As we do every single Tuesday, going to break down the NFL. Uh, and I'm also going to talk to you about the polling that is out there uh, the day after Joe Biden's 81st birthday. What in the world is going on there? Plus, the New York Times, go figure, has finally come out and acknowledged something that I told you and many of you have heard me say for years, which is we never should have shut down schools in this country. But the New York Times now is recognizing that there has been a massive learning loss as a consequence of our decision to shut down schools. So I will talk about all of that with you. That is still to come. But let's begin with, as we do every single Tuesday, analyzing what in the world is going on in the NFL. Browns got the win over the Steelers. The under hit. We had a disastrous gambling weekend in uh, college football. Maybe the worst gambling weekend of my gambling career, but at least we were not an unmitigated disaster uh, in terms of the week that was in the NFL where we at least pushed and were at least up uh, right now in positive territory on the NFL picks. You heard me talk about it with Kelly. College football is an unmitigated disaster. It was painful to go through and have to recognize all of the different games uh, that we lost in that weekend that was. But uh, big win for the Browns. Storyline, of course, Deshaun Watson out for the year. NFC North right now looks like the best division in football. Uh, Kenny Pickett and Lamar Jackson, only starters left. How exactly is the Browns' defense and how far can they carry them uh, given what they've got at the quarterback position? I think that's going to be super, supremely difficult to figure out. Texans get the win over the Cardinals. This is wild. Uh, right now, if you look at what we are seeing from Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud, he isn't just having clearly the rookie of the year season. And I know he had three picks, so uh, everybody out there uh, can say, hey, maybe he's going to fade down the stretch. He's having one of the best rookie seasons that we have ever seen for any quarterback in the history of the NFL. 
And the Texans now are in a position where they could legitimately go from being truly awful the past couple of years to the playoffs with C.J. Stroud leading them. And think about this for a minute. If you are redrafting in the NFL right now, is there any way at all that C.J. Stroud wouldn't be the overall number one pick? Now, I know that there's not great weaponry, and maybe the coaching is not phenomenal for Bryce Young right now in Carolina. But you can't tell me that the Carolina Panthers don't wish that they had C.J. Stroud right now. And that if you could redraft with all of the tape now out there uh, of the first half of the NFL season, where does Bryce Young go? Does he go top 20? Would he still be a first-round pick based on what you have seen so far? I think that's an interesting question. Certainly, C.J. Stroud would be a unanimous number one no matter who was voting. Texan fans have to be ecstatic. Titans are a disaster. Will Levis is starting each week to look more like the Will Levis that we saw at Kentucky. Now, people can say, okay, the offensive line is a disaster. That's true. The Titans are the worst team in the NFL over the past 17 games. A lot of people haven't noticed. I have because I watched all of these. Titans are sitting at 3-14. and 14. They can't block anybody. The future of the franchise is very sad. And I, I told you this. My concern is Titans are going to end up with a top three pick. I don't, they may beat the, the Panthers this weekend in the, the bowl of sadness. But Titans are going to end up the top three pick. And because they already drafted Will Levis and traded up to get him, they're going to pass on Caleb Williams. They're going to pass on, uh, on Drake May. They're going to pass on Jaden Daniels. All three of which... I would rather have than Will Levis because the new GM, Rand Carthon, traded up to take Will Levis and he's not going to take a quarterback. Now, maybe Levis plays way better in the back half of the season. And I do think it's the right decision to play Will Levis for the rest of this year because the team is crap and you need to see potentially what you've got from him. But my goodness, this team is bad. Jacksonville's way better. That wasn't, that was like, a high school team trying to play an NFL team. At no point for the vast majority of the game yesterday did you ever think the Tennessee Titans had any chance to win. I mean, things were so bad. They were down 27 nothing. They hit a trick play touchdown after an awful pass, uh, uh, awful uh, roughing the passer call. And Trevor Lawrence did whatever he wanted. Nobody could cover Calvin Ridley. The Titans threw a touchdown pass to Jeffrey Simmons, their star defensive tackle, and it felt like to me, having coached many of these games, like what happens when you clear the bench and try to bring in the kid who never scores a basket. The game's long been decided, and you just let that kid shoot like 10 times trying to make a basket. Uh, That's what it felt like to me in many ways. That's sad where the Titans have gone. 3-14, and because it's happened over the course of two seasons and most people don't pay attention to it. The Titans and the Jags have basically changed position in the course of a year. Jags look like they're in great shape. Titans look like the franchise is basically over. Uh, Dolphins get the win over the Raiders. Wasn't super crisp uh, from the Dolphins' offense. 
Raiders aren't great. Pierce is having them play better. They're two and one now in those three. Uh, Raiders always kind of a 500 caliber team. It feels like uh, don't really have a uh, playmaker uh, at quarterback. We'll see whether Aiden is the is the right choice there and whether he makes sense going forward uh, because he's come in obviously to play for uh, uh, for Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. Aiden O'Connell was not bad um, at Purdue. Many of you will remember, but he threw three picks. Defense was solid. I think the uh, the Dolphins. Eh, they're going to win the AFC East, I really do think, this year. Uh, but not a spectacular effort from the Dolphins. Cowboys dominated the Panthers. I want to hit the numbers. I mentioned that Bryce Young might not be a first-round pick if they had had footage of the first half of this season for him. 16 of 29, uh, 123 yards. He just looks small. He doesn't look like he can see over the field. Through an interception. On the year, Bryce Young's numbers... Nine touchdowns, eight picks, awful QBR. Uh, He's listed at 5'10". I thought Bryce Young would be far more dynamic than he has been. He looks somewhat Johnny Manziel-like in his performance so far in the NFL. I thought he would be more Kyler Murray-like. He's not obviously as fast as Kyler Murray, but I thought he would run around and make more plays. If you were comparing him two smaller quarterbacks that have been top first-round draft picks of late. He looks more like Johnny Manziel than he does like Kyler Murray. It's not like Kyler Murray's been incredible, uh, but just worth thinking about there. I'm not sure Bryce Young would be a first-round pick if they had footage of the first half of his performance uh, with the Panthers. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Lions get the win over the Bears. I said this on Clay and Buck on Monday's uh, radio program. I know most of you are pretty big sports fans if you're watching or listening to this show right now. But if you want a great stat to share with your Thanksgiving crew, the Lions play on Thanksgiving, usually the early game, pretty much every Thanksgiving. Families gathered around. Everybody's having a good time, living it up. The Lions are 8-2, and two, thanks to their comeback win over the Bears. The Lions are 8-2 and two for the first time since 1962. JFK was alive. He had not yet been assassinated the last time the Detroit Lions were 0-2. If that's not an incredible stat for all of you, I don't know what is. That is flat-out unbelievable. My wife is from Detroit. I've heard a lot about the Lions over the year. She says this is a sign that nuclear war is coming and the apocalypse is upon us, that the Lions are 8-2. and Remember crazy stat as well. They've won one NFL playoff game since the 1950s. I believe that was in 1991. Packers get the win over the Chargers. Saw a great stat where the Chargers, for their entire L.A. tenure, Uh, as well as the entire time that they've started uh, uh, Herbert. It just feels to me like the Chargers are never going to win at the level they should. You got a potential drop touchdown pass late in that game against the Packers. I don't think the Packers are very good. I'm not sold on uh, Jordan Love, but Justin Herbert just finds, it feels to me, in his Chargers tenure so far, 
incredible ways to lose. Every game the Chargers play, it feels like comes down to the last minute, and it, and it feels to me like they use, they lose an unbelievable percentage of them. Congratulations to the Giants. Uh, I watched this guy play several years ago, uh, and, uh, and I tweeted out, and I said, man, you know, he seems like a decent uh, quarterback. Tommy DeVito, after the beatdown last week against the uh, Cowboys, comes out and throws three touchdown passes, has an absolutely stellar performance, bad loss for the Commanders at home in a division game, but the Giants, who have been a mess all season long, find a way to get the dub over the Commanders. Uh, 49ers, look, great game uh, from Brock Purdy. Two straight really solid performances by the 49ers. Got up, I think they were up like 27 to nothing uh, or 27 to 7. I know they were up at least 27 to 7 on the Bucks. They basically put this game away early. Purdy was phenomenal. Perfect game from him. Uh, they're rounding into shape. Two straight solid performances. They dismantled the Jags last week. They come out this week, take down the Bucks. 49ers look like the best team in the NFC again. Uh, Bills get the win. I would take the 49ers over the, uh, over the Lions, of course. Bills get the win over the Jets. Jets have announced that they're finally replacing Zach Wilson. Uh, we don't know whether Aaron Rodgers is ever going to come back. We also don't know, frankly, whether it's going to make sense for Aaron Rodgers to come back as he tries to come back from that Achilles tendon injury faster than almost anyone has ever done it before. I don't know that there's a benefit to him in rushing back. Uh, Bills get the win over the Jets. Rams come from behind to beat the Seahawks. Uh, Matthew Stafford, NFC West win there. And the Broncos uh, get the dub last night against uh, Josh Dobbs. I did something I rarely do. I watched this entire game because I find myself rooting for Josh Dobbs to such an extent. He had two turnovers overall. The Vikings turned the ball over three times. But Josh Dobbs worked for six, seven years to get an opportunity to ever start an NFL game. Titans let him start last year. I think the Titans whiffed in not just bringing him back and giving him the reins uh, to the franchise, finding a way to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I would not have drafted Will Levis. I've been pretty clear about that. Uh, but the Broncos find a way to get the win. Uh, Russell Wilson, big-time touchdown throw to Cortland Sutton late in that game. Russell Wilson back from the dead. Broncos back from the dead. They're 5-5 five and five in the playoff race. Sean Payton looks like he's fixed whatever was ailing the Broncos. Sean Payton has a place beside my place, by the way, or at least he did unless he sold it since he now lives out in Denver, uh, down on the Florida Gulf Coast. I'm wondering if he might be in town for a day or two for, uh, for Thanksgiving. Maybe I'll see him around. Uh, Vikings uh, lose, but again, I think you have to be super happy about the performance that you have gotten so far uh, from Josh Dobbs, uh, given relative expectations were so much, uh, so much different. All right, want to tell you, uh, Mary Ballsmas from our friends over at Manscaped. It's two days until Thanksgiving, but with uh, both Thanksgiving approaching as well as Christmas and the holiday season, what if I told you celebrations are starting early this year? Turns out the perfect gift does exist. Who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below-the-waist grooming? Keep calm 
Let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra featuring the new Lawn Mower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com. Use the code OUTKICK for 20% off and free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this season with Manscaped. Get 20% off free shipping with the code OUTKICK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. You can use the code OUTKICK, MANSCAPED. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays with MANSCAPED. Use that code OUTKICK for 20% off with free shipping. I mentioned yesterday that I was going to talk about the fact that the day after he turned 81 years old, there is an interesting poll that is out there uh, from Harvard Harris. And I've got a couple of stats that I think are going to, uh, to kind of blow your mind. Um, and let me make sure that I get, uh, let me make sure that I get this right. Um, but I saw this data out there and I thought to myself, man, uh, this is, uh, this is kind of crazy. Trump is winning in every single poll that is out there right now. So I understand why, why some of you out there would say, oh, you know, you can't trust polling. Something's going on here that doesn't make sense. Listen to Joe Biden's job approval. These are independent voters, and this is a large percentage of different, uh, different polls, all telling you kind of the same result. Uh, right now, NBC, independent voters, approval rating 30%, disapprove 63%. Fox News, approval rating 30%, disapprove 68%. Quinnipiac, approve 34%, disapprove 60%. Again, these are independent voters assessed on Joe Biden's political standing. Uh, NPR, Marist, approve 33%, disapprove 58%. CNN, approve 34%, disapprove 66%. That November average of polling Right around 30% approval and 60% disapproval. When all of the polls are telling you the exact same thing, I think it's hard for Joe Biden to argue that something is going wrong here with the polling. This is, again, I think, a function of Joe Biden not doing well, more so than it is Trump doing well. And that, to me, is the storyline of this election right now as I sit talking to you two days before Thanksgiving. Next week, we'll hit December, then we got a month, and then we're officially into 2024 and election year. And I think the early narrative, the storyline that is playing out right now is in 2020, Joe Biden sold the nation on the idea that he was a grandfatherly figure, that he was an avuncular uncle, and that he would restore normalcy to America. But he was the empty vessel upon which people voted against Trump. People didn't vote for Joe Biden. They voted against Trump. But there was no record of Joe Biden that people could react to one way or the other. 
Why do I think that is significant? Now Joe Biden has his own record, and it's very bad. I just ran through all those independent voters. So Trump is not being weighed as an incumbent. He's being weighed against Joe Biden. If you were uncertain in 2020, you went against Trump. I think COVID was a big part of that. That's why I've said they ran the uh, Weekend at Bernie's campaign. Joe Biden, basically a dead guy. They hit him in the basement. They found a way to win. And now they're trying to run the Weekend at Bernie's 2 campaign. The problem is Joe Biden has a record now. And so they can't just be anti-Trump. And I saw this poll that came out from Harvard Harris. NBC had a poll with Trump up to every single poll now has Joe Biden down. And he's in trouble historically. Trump is up six in the Harvard Harris poll, 53 to 47. That's a head to head. In a uh, race with RFK Jr. in it, Trump is actually up eight. 44, 36 to 21. And when they expand it to uh, multi-race, right, five candidates, Trump, Biden, RFK Jr., Carnell West, and Jill Stein. Jill Stein's on the Green Party. Trump opens up a nine-point lead. 43% Trump, 34% Biden, 18% RFK Jr., 3% Carnell West, and 2% for Jill Stein. Now, some people out there say, oh, this is, a, this is a mirage. This is not real. Trump is not actually going to win. Trump is stronger right now in the polling than he has ever been in his eight-year political career. Since he came down the escalator in 2015, no one has been in a stronger position. Trump has never been in a stronger position than he is right now. He was pretty much never favored in any of the polls against Hillary. The polls against Joe Biden, for everybody out there who's like, oh, uh, you know, this is just a function of uh, it's a lie. No, Biden actually led for virtually the entirety of the 2020 election. If the election were today, I don't just think Trump would win. I think Trump would win a landslide. And that's a lot different than I thought even in the spring certainly back in the fall of 22. Why is that changing? I think there's an argument that trying to put Trump in prison has actually helped Trump. And there's data to reflect that. The Biden campaign tested uh, anti-Trump ads in swing states and found that they actually worked to Trump's favor. So I think they may have miscalculated and actually strengthened Trump, not only with Republican voters, but also with incumbents by trying to put him in prison. But I think really what's going on is the 2024 election right now is a referendum on Joe Biden, and people don't like Joe Biden or think he's doing a very good job. I mean, 75% of the American public thinks Joe Biden doesn't have the mental or physical faculties to be president of the United States. It's kind of tough to overcome. And I think that is why it is registering so significantly right now. People are voting against Biden. In 2020, they voted against Trump. Now people are not accepting this empty vessel Joe Biden argument. They are making the decision to vote against him. And that's why I think this is stacking up and becoming uh, such a significant assault upon him. Uh, But I think Trump is in uniquely good shape 
relative to what he has been in in uh, the past. Uh, all right. Um, one more thing. I wanted to hit you with this. I was reading the Sunday newspapers, and I mentioned that I would hit you with this yesterday. I was reading the Sunday newspapers, and there's an editorial from the New York Times that says the school closures that took 50 million kids out of classrooms at the start of COVID may prove to be the most damaging disruption in the history of American education. The editorial board of the New York Times wrote that. Many of us out there and many of you out there found me during COVID when I was fighting as hard as I could against the idea of lockdowns and the idea of shutting down American schools. I feel very fortunate that my own kids were back in classrooms by August of 2020. My kids got out in mid-March like most of your kids did. They were out the rest of the year. They probably suffered learning loss for those two months or two and a half months. But by August of 2020, they were back in school in person. That was actually a minority of students nationwide. And I argued June of 2020 that every school needed to be back open and that every kid needed to be in person. I said that as a dad. I looked at all the data. I never have been more confident that I was right about something. And many people on social media came after anyone like me who was saying we have to open up schools by saying everybody's going to die. All the kids are going to die. And I tried to share the data. I was still getting attacked in 2021 when I said there's no basis to put kids in masks. We were right. And slowly, even places like the New York Times are coming back around and saying, and I said it at the time, as a former public school kid, the kids who are losing the most are the kids that can least afford it. Because if you were uh, fortunate, you could get a tutor, you had parents who could teach you at school, you had learning groups, you had working Wi-Fi, you had laptops. But if you were unfortunate, if you were a kid that isn't in the highest economic rung, if you were a kid that doesn't have a lot of resources, you were victimized. Randy Weingarten, the teachers' unions, the most consequential failure of children in our life and actually the most discriminatory act because young minority kids are more likely to have been out of school, more likely to have missed substantial parts of their education. The most devastating decision that was made for young minority kids in any of our lives was put in place by Democrats and their allies at the teachers' union that used COVID to avoid having to go back to work. It's absolutely indefensible, and I will be screaming about this for the rest of my life because it's the biggest public policy failure of my life, and I'm still disgusted by it. All right. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Keep fighting for truth, justice, in the American way. I hope all of you have fabulous Thanksgivings. My name is Clay Travis. Got one more show, radio. You're traveling. You want to listen 12 to 3 Eastern tomorrow. I'll have Clay and Buck solo. Uh, Kelly Stewart and myself are going to have a gambling special still this week. If you're down on the Florida Gulf Coast, I'm doing a book signing for this on Friday in Rosemary Beach. That is Black Friday. I love all of you. 
DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.